broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Chattanooga, Tennessee, it's time for Chattanooga Business Radio. Now, here are your Business Radio X hosts. Well, good morning. My name is Victor Agreta, and I am your host today for Business Radio X here in Chattanooga. Today's guest is Luke Harrison. Luke, thanks for joining us. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. So let's let's get down to it here. You are with Hilliard Lions. Yeah. And I, I think a lot of folks are probably familiar with that name. It, they've been around, you know, since the 1800s, basically. They've been in Chattanooga, right, since uh, 1986? That's correct, yeah. And, um, and, of course, you have a degree in business administration and finance. Uh, now, how did you end up in the financial services industry? Uh, really, um, just through a turn of events, kind of landed there. Um, it wasn't something that I said to myself, you know, I'm going to grow up and be a be a stockbroker, financial advisor. It wasn't um, necessarily a, a lifelong goal of mine, uh, but I knew that I, you know, I really liked numbers. I really liked working with numbers, but then I also really liked working with people. Uh, I, you'll find out I like talking, so I'm going to try <laughs> not, do a, not do a whole lot of it, but I guess in this situation, it's a good thing. Uh, no, but I, I loved working with people and I loved numbers, and I was trying to find a place where those two things kind of came together. Wasn't sure what that was until the summer after my junior year of college, I did an internship actually with Hilliard Lions. And it's just, you know, through connections that uh, my dad had in town. And it ended up um, working there, an internship, and had, had, had to that point had no exposure to the industry whatsoever, obviously, except for what I'd learned in, in school. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I just really enjoyed it. Um, it was very interesting to me. I liked the, the pace of work. I liked that things changed every day. You know, you weren't doing the same thing every day. And I liked that not only were you working with numbers, but you were truly helping people. You know, there's that perception that the guys in my industry are all out for themselves, right? Sure, like they, right. they want to bring in that next big paycheck. The Wolf of Wall Street. Right, mentality. right, yeah. Right. And 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 where whereas that is true in many cases, um, the vast majority um, I'd probably say 95% are truly in it with, with best interests of their client at, at heart. Uh, and even in Chattanooga, I mean, there's just a lot of good guys um, that I've become friends with that are, that are in the industry. So anyways, I learned that side of it because my exposure to it was just like you're saying, that Wolf of Wall Street mentality, you know, like they're, you know, they, they're go-getters and all they care about is the money. Well, uh, I kind of saw the underbelly of the operations and, and how it all worked and the, you know, the people really cared about other people. It was attractive to me. They extended my internship after that summer to the following winter and then offered me a full-time position when I graduated. So well, that's, that's for one thing, that's proof that internships are very valuable. Oh, and, and, and actually when I, when I was in college, um, I was a tour host there for uh, part of my work. And, uh, that's what I would tell, tell people all the time. I'm like, listen, and obviously I didn't have this insight until my senior year, but what I would tell people is, you know, if you have an opportunity to, to do an internship in the field that you'd like to to work in someday, do not pass it up for anything. If it's not paid, if it's less money than you could make doing what you normally do in the summers, don't don't pass it up. And even if it's not specifically in the industry that you're looking to get into, uh, it really just puts your foot in the door. You, you're able to build connections. You understand what it's like to you know work for a business in that in that local community, um, and it just kind of you know it just kind of gives you some experience under your belt uh, coming out of college. Because I'll tell you one thing, it is. It is tough for college graduates right now to, to find work, it, sure. especially in the field that they've studied. Right. So yeah, I, I, I definitely encourage internships. I, I do know that. I've, I've worked with a number of young folks, and you know they talk about that, but they also talk about how valuable the internships are. But you know what I love about what you do, and I think 
what was neat about the way that you phrased this was you know, you're helping people. Right. And, and at the end of the day, there is sort of this win-win mentality, right? right? Because if you're doing right by Hilliard Lyons, they're doing right by their clients and everyone sort of right. achieves success in that way. Right. And there, there doesn't have to be a loser. It's not like you're saying it can be win-win. It's not like if I'm making money, my client's losing money. Mm -hmm. Um, if I'm making money, Hilliard Lyons is losing. Like, every, like you're saying, everybody can win. Uh, it's the beauty of free market economics. Um, and I, I really like that side of the business where I can make a living, like you're saying, truly helping people. What everybody wants to be at some point in their life is a difference maker for someone else. I mean, that's, that's what you're looking for. You want to be able to say that because I came into that person's life, they were able to achieve something that would not have been possible if I had not affected them in that way. And they'll do the same thing for you. Uh, but everybody wants to be a difference maker. And this field definitely gives you that opportunity. Absolutely. Well, to that end, what's your advice to investors currently concerned about the stock market, which has been a little wacky over the past year? Yeah, it's it's been crazy. Um, my advice might sound a little counterintuitive, but it would be don't pay any attention to it. Don't don't sweat over. It. I mean, take take your remote and turn off CNBC because I mean, that's if I get, you know, one call a month, I get a hundred of people saying, "Hey, I, Kramer said on Mad Money, or, or I saw something on TV about." And uh, you know, that's that's good TV. It's good entertainment, um, but at the same time, it's a lot of noise. Uh, I try to train people not to mistake noise for information, um, and so I would tell them, "Listen, don't you know, don't sweat the the stock market right now. Yeah, it's going up and down, and and, and there's a little more volatility now than there has been in the past." That has a lot to do with just the amount of information that's that's out there. I mean, all of us in this room right now, in our in our hands at some point today, will hold a supercomputer that's more powerful than any computer that existed 20 years ago. Um, and, and all that information is just 24-7. It's coming across the screen. It's in our faces. And we think that we have to respond to all of it. All of it is pertinent information to our situation. Um, and and really, all that, all that is is creating um, and exaggerating the volatility. So the market itself has not changed. The mechanism of the market has not changed, but the speed at which it operates has definitely changed. It's definitely sped up. So you get um, more exaggerated movements. You get higher peaks, lower troughs. Um, now there are the occasional outliers like 2008. That had nothing to do with you know market volatility. That was a structural issue with, with the market. But since then, obviously, they've done everything they can to make sure that doesn't happen again. There's no guarantee. But what you're seeing now are, I would describe as pretty normal movements of the market. They're just sped up. Over the long run, um, if you invest in quality companies, uh, we believe uh, in buying companies that pay dividends and are, have a history of increasing those dividends. If you will buy quality and hold on to it for the long term, um, really doesn't matter what the stock market's doing because if you hold it long enough, you know, you'll end up with more than you started with nine times out of 10. Out. I work in a world of no guarantees. There are there are no guarantees. You know, the, the world could end tomorrow. You know, the stock market could fall apart. Who knows? But at the same time, um, the likelihood of that happening is very slim. We we use um, I'm big on analogies. I really like to because because we see ourselves. Yes, we're financial advisors, but um, we try to be educators first. Um, we actually teach classes at the University of Tennessee at Chattanooga Continuing Education Department over there for. Um, you know, small business owners, people that are getting close to retiring, uh, people that have retired and just kind of want to learn about, you know, you know, what are the ins and outs of retirement, investing, all that kind of stuff. And when we talk about the stock market, we say, okay, 
there's two farmers. One is a cattle farmer who, who sells beef. He's got a, a beef farm. And then the other is a dairy farmer. They both have the same thing. They both have cows. One stays up at night worrying about the price of beef because that dictates to him what, what he makes. But if you're the dairy farmer, you couldn't care less what your cows are worth because you're going to get the milk every day. And, that, and, and dividends are kind of the milk of, of farming where you don't have to worry about the value fluctuating. You just know that you'll collect those dividends. And if you're in retirement, you take them. If you're young, you reinvest them and just leave it for the long term. It's not about timing the market. It's about investing over time. Well, you know, that, that raises an interesting question, though, because with all of the information that's available, if you talk about a supercomputer in our hands, I mean, we can track the market in ways that before people had to have all these charts and whatnot. Now it's almost too easy to get information uh, for investors. So shouldn't they be making better decisions or, or is that really where you guys step in? Yeah, you, you would think the natural um, conclusion to draw from the fact that there's more information available, more information better decisions, right? Well, that's not necessarily the case. That might be, you know, they might make a better decision with the information at hand, but the fact that they are making a decision at all is being dictated to them by this information that they're receiving. There wasn't any fundamental thing that happened that caused them to make a change. They didn't have a child. They didn't retire from work. They didn't move. There's there's nothing major in their lives that's causing them to make these changes, which those are the only times really when you should be changing your investment strategy. Um, you know, so you see people making more decisions because of the information available, not necessarily better decisions. And that's, and that's being shown in the returns that they're getting. Average returns are not getting better, uh, for the typical do it yourself investor. Uh, actually, and I, and don't quote me on this, but, uh, there's a statistic out there that roughly 2.3 to 2.5% is the average return for a do it yourself investor. Obviously there are outliers out there that that's they spend 24 hours a day just watching the markets and and they, they might do better than that might do worse. But the fact is, you know, it still still holds true regardless of what has changed around us if we'll just buy and hold for the long term and and only make decisions when we need to make decisions. Um, you know, returns will 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 come in time. Well, and speaking of that, you know, a lot of people have a, a retirement fund of some kind. So, how much attention should people pay to how their IRA or 401k is investing. You know, a lot of people kind of set it and forget it and don't think about it. Right. So how much really should they be looking at that? Right. Now the, and, and the set it and forget it mentality is a good one to have, but at the same time, you can't be ignorant of it. Um, you know, when you get the statements in the mail, you, you know, pay attention to what they say, um, but don't think that every time you get a statement, something has to change. Uh, Warren Buffett said, if everything in my portfolio is up, I'm not properly diversified. Uh, so and and so if, you know if you're if you're looking at the statement and something's down, don't think oh we got to sell that you know. Um, so I would pay attention. I I would not sweat it. I wouldn't stay up at night worrying about my IRA or 401k because the hope is that when you set that up, you sought advice, which is you know where I come in to pick an investment strategy that is appropriate for you based on um, the needs that you have, your wants and your your financial goals of any fears that you have. So basically we take risk tolerance, how much fluctuation you can handle and your time horizon, how long till you're going to need the money. Uh, and then your overall objective, do you want the money to grow? Do you want dividends? You know, do you, what do you, what are you looking for to get, what are you looking to get out of this? That's money. Then we, we put a plan in motion and we try to leave that alone as best as possible um, until something major changes in their life. Like we were saying, having a kid, getting married, um, you know, retiring is a big one. So unless something material has happened in your life, I wouldn't say 
do too much to change that that allocation. And uh, and and this speaks to me personally because uh, you know the question of what does someone do with the four k four one k from a former employer? You right. know, I, I I was laid off last year and I had this big four hundred one k. I've been working there for nine years. So what do you what do you do with that? Well, there are three options uh, that people have with a 401k from a former employer. Uh, obviously, one of them is leave it where it is. Plus side of that is if you really liked what it was invested in, if it's really done well, you can leave it there and it'll stay there indefinitely. It'll keep doing what it's been doing. Um, but access to that is somewhat limited. I mean, you you probably don't get on there every other week and and you know check it because and a lot of people forgot the password to get online mm-hmm. and look at all that kind of stuff. So so it's there's a distance there. Um, there's no, it's not very manageable. Uh, so that's that's option number one. Option number two would just be to cash it out. You face huge uh, penalties and taxes uh, when you do that because you're going to pay income tax on all that money when you take it out, and then also you're going to pay um, a penalty to the government for drawing that early. Now that is if you are under 59 and a half. If you're over 59 and a half, then the, then you just pay the the tax on it, the income tax on all that money. So anyway, so we we would discourage um, people from doing that. The the third option would be to roll it into an IRA. Um, you know, whether that's online, whether it's um, at a local broker dealer uh, here in town, um, you know, that's, we would probably consider that the best option. And that's, you know, people say, well, of course you're going to say that's the best option because that's the only way you get to touch it, you know, but, but uh, you know, that, that is true. But also we believe that if, you know, the client is, you know, more informed about what they're invested in, they're more, they're more comfortable with it. Uh, they are, uh, there's easier access to it in case they ever really needed the money. And, and then not only that, when you move it into um, financial advisory, like, like what, like what I work for, um, you have access to that advice. You know, you have somebody locally, you can pick up the phone and call and talk to about, doesn't even have to be about business. I have people call me all the time and tell me what's going on with their family, you know, what's going on with their life, big transitions. And, um, you know, they're just looking for somebody to listen to them, number one. But then also, you know, well, how does how do these life changes affect, you know, how I should be investing all that stuff? So I would say most of the time I would encourage somebody to roll it into an IRA so that they have um, access to it and are a little more proactive in the way that it's allocated. Not necessarily manipulating it all the mm-hmm. time, but just being more educated about it. And what are the overall benefits of just having an IRA? Well... Obviously, there's the tax benefits on the front end. Um, if you contribute to an IRA and the limit is $5,500 annually per person. Now, if you are over uh, 50 years old, you have a catch-up uh, rate where you can actually contribute $6,500 per person. And those rates change. Th- those numbers change over time. In 10 years, probably be a little bit higher uh, just due to inflation. Uh, but what you can do is you can contribute up to that much to that IRA. Number one, you are saving for retirement. All right. So that's a good thing. It's always good to save for retirement because we actually, there's a joke in our office. We had a, a client who he actually just passed away a couple of years ago at 104, 106. Wow. Um, and he was retired longer than he worked uh, because he worked for 40 years and was retired for 44. So, wow. <laughs> so when you think about the fact that you could potentially go 20, 30, 40 years without a paycheck, that's kind of daunting. Mm-hmm. Social Security's there. It's a big part of pretty much everybody's retirement income, but it's not enough really to live off of if you want to maintain your standard of living. Pensions used to be a big thing. Now you're seeing that go the way of the dinosaur, unfortunately. It's just, it's another expense for companies, hard for them to manage. Um, so you'll, you'll, you're seeing that go away. So really the, the brunt of the responsibility for saving for retirement is falling on the employees themselves. 
That's why you've seen the rise of the 401k where it's the employee contribution. Yeah, there's a there's a corporate match sometimes, uh, but but really it's it's on your shoulders as as an employee. So what this does just gives you another opportunity to save towards retirement up to $5,500 a year. Uh, so that's primary benefit. Secondary benefit. Um, oh, and then also you get a tax deduction would be a secondary benefit on that money that you that you contribute. So if you're paying 20% in taxes and you give you know $5,000 to your IRA, that's a $1,000 tax deduction. So that's that's not too bad. And then also in retirement. Now this is this is what you have to be careful of in retirement. When you pull that money out, you have to pay the income tax on it. Okay, so you have to keep that in mind. At some point, you will pay. The, but the hope is that at that point, uh, your earned income will be lower than it is in your highest earning years. And so, so you won't pay as much in income taxes uh, later on. And I guess kind of the last benefit I can, I can say about IRAs is the fact that there's no capital gains. Uh, so a lot of times as advisors, we are somewhat strapped with someone's portfolio if they bring it to us and it's in, a, it's in just a standard brokerage, like investment account, it's a taxable account. We're kind of strapped sometimes if they've held a stock for 15 years and they have a massive capital gain in it. Well, they don't, you know, I don't want to pay capital gains on it. But then they also want to be invested differently. They want to reallocate. I'm like, well, there's give and takes. If we want to reallocate, uh, then there's going to be some capital gains probably if, if, if your portfolio is appreciated over time. So with an IRA, that's not a concern. Uh, you are, have total flexibility without worrying about paying a capital gains tax if you if you change up your investments. So. Oh, very cool. So is there a difference? Is there an IRA and then this Roth IRA? Are those two different things? Yes, very two very different things. I mean, basically, it's it's a retirement account. It's they're they're both a retirement account at the core. But the difference is Roth IRA is after tax money, um, and an IRA is pre tax. Now, I, I I know that the money that you put in there has probably already, you've already paid income tax on it, but you get that back. You know, when you because you have you get the deduction when you contribute to the standard IRA. Uh, but in a Roth IRA, when you put that money in, there's no there, there's no tax benefit to contributing to the Roth IRA on the front end. But what's really nice is then when you get to retirement, all that money is yours. There is no tax whatsoever. Um, and not only is there no income tax on it, there's also no capital gains, just like with the other IRA. So um, the benefits of a Roth, especially if you are you know, not necessarily dying to have that tax deduction, Contributing to a Roth can be really beneficial for you down the road because as it grows, again, no worries about capital gains. And then when you pull it out in retirement, you don't pay a penny to the IRS, which everyone's looking for sure. a way to give a little less to Uncle Sam. So. And it's totally legal. You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's it. <laughs> and, and there actually is concern, though, about um, there being changes in the availability of Roths. Will, will you be able to invest that way? Um, or will it, be, will it be where you contribute to an IRA? Um, and the only protection you get in an IRA is capital gains, where you pay income tax before you contribute, pay income tax when you take it out. Um, but there's no capital gain. So it's, there still is a little bit of a benefit there, but drastically less than if there were no income tax on the back end, like with a Roth. Well, you know, the only constant is change, right? That's so, right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. It's funny that you hear people, um, you know, I guess they're not doomsday theorists, but if we do nothing, this, you know, like with Social sure. Security, if we don't change anything by 2033, you know, Social Security will be insolvent. Well, we've always changed something. It's, you know, with politics, typically the, the 11th hour. Right. Um, but at the same time, we've always made changes. Social Security is going to be there. It, it might look differently 20 years from now, um, but it's, it's still going to be there. It's not going anywhere. Absolutely. So 
what kind of investment is best for someone who's looking to avoid risk? You know, people talk about bonds and obviously that's sort of maybe even a traditional thing, but there's money markets. There's all sorts of other things. So what's something that someone who doesn't, can't tolerate a lot of risk, but what should they be looking at? Right. There, there are a lot of different options in the investment world. That's something that I learned very quickly when I got into the business was just the vast number of different options that people have and, and they're what might be suitable for client A is not suitable for client B, even though they might have the same goal. They both both might be wanting to avoid risk, but they have different considerations. I'll say client A, um, very high net worth individual that has just an incredible amount of income tax they pay every year, and they're always looking for a way to get out of it. Well, a municipal bond might be good for them um, because with municipal bonds, if you buy it in the state that it is offered, so like, let's say they're building a bridge in Chattanooga, Hamilton County is going to issue $5 million in, in municipal bonds to kind of raise cash for the product project. They guarantee a certain interest rate when they pay it back. There is um, no tax on those, on those municipal bonds. So, so that would be a, a benefit client A, whereas client B, they just, they just need the income, but they really can't take on too much risk. So you might go with some high yield bonds uh, for them. Bonds right now though, in general, are a little scary just because of the interest rate environment. We don't know, you know, really what's going on, what's going on there. Uh, nobody knows, not even really the feds, I'm sure. So, so uh, it's a, uh, you know, it's a sticky situation there where do we buy a bond? Bond Because let's say you buy a bond now and it's paying 2%. You know, in three years, if interest rates go up, 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 and that same type of bond is paying a 5 or 6% yield, when you go to try to sell your bond, you're going to sell it for a lot less than you bought it for. Um, so that's just kind of the the way bonds work. They're inverse inverse with uh, interest rates. So as interest rates go up, bond prices go down and vice versa. So with rising interest rates, bonds are something we try to be careful with. They have their place, but we need to be careful with them. One product that I really like for people that want that market participation, um, but at the same time are afraid of the downside, afraid of risk, is something called a market-linked CD. Um, you're familiar with CDs, certificates of deposit. You go to your local bank and you give them $100,000 and they, they say, all right, nothing's going to happen to it. It's insured. We'll pay a certain uh, interest rate on it. It's usually pretty minimal. Right now, you might get quarter, half percent or so. So that's just a standard CD, CD. With a market-linked CD, that money is invested into a basket of securities uh, in the market. And you can, a lot of times, you have flexibility of picking what those are. Basically, your money is going to participate in the market. Um, now, a lot of times, there is a cap. On, on how much upside you can have. But what's really nice is that there's no downside whatsoever. Your principal is guaranteed. So if the market goes on a really good bull run and uh, you know over five years you make 5% a year, um, then, then you're, you're happy, most people that are more conservative investors. But if the market tanks and we have a, you know, a year and a half, typically bear markets don't last more than 18 months to two years. So say we have a really bad couple of years where you didn't lose any money uh, because your principal's insured. So market link CD is one, one of many products that's good for people that's a bond alternative um, for people that are low risk tolerance. Oh, that's really excellent. And speaking of those changing interest rates, how is that, what, what is that effect going to have on the stock market going forward? Bond, uh, or I'm sorry, interest rates and uh, the stock market have a very interesting relationship. Technically, there is no actual relationship between, it's all just circumstantial, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but what happens a lot of times is people are always trying to read a situation and extrapolate out into the future. What, what effect is this going to have on American businesses, on, on American consumers? You know, what, what's going to happen to us? You know, is the sky going to fall? 
And uh, it's funny because either way interest rates go. So right now, interest rates aren't going to go down because they really can't. Um, but they're either going to stay where they're at or go up every time the Fed meets. It's are they going to stay where they're at or are they going to go up? Well, if interest rates stay where they are, hey, the money's still cheap, right? You can still get loans at low rates. But if they didn't raise interest rates, that means that the economy isn't improving. And so then there's those mixed signals there. And so whichever signal is louder, people respond that way emotionally. Now, then if they if raise interest rates, hey, you know, the economy's improving. We're, we're, we're getting where we need to be. And then but other people are like, yeah, but I have to pay a whole lot uh, more to, to get a loan or uh, my bond is worth a whole lot less than it was because interest rates. Went up. So regardless of what interest rates going to do, whether they stay the same, go up or in the future, go down. The fact, the actual movement of the rate is not necessarily what directly affects the market. It is the fact that it is moving um, is what people are concerned about. And they, they all, everybody tries to react to it. And they think that their reaction is what is going to make them the most money. Uh, when in fact, you know, if you just kind of sit back and just let whatever happens, happens, like we were saying earlier, you'll probably come out a little, little better in the end. Yeah. My, uh, I can say that my dad's been an investor for a long time and, you know, he, started investing in the late 70s mm-hmm. which was a completely different financial right. time completely different you know the interest yeah. rates definitely were much much higher at yep. that time <laughs> i mean i remember as a kid driving around and seeing banks advertise cds yep but you don't see that now because yep. you're not going to get a whole lot out well, of that with and interest at the rates. time they were probably paying eight to ten percent right. on cds i mean there was a time where municipal bonds were paying 14 percent wow um and now if you get one that's you know a five-year duration for four percent. You're, you know, you're really happy about that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the, the environment's definitely changed that way. Yeah, and I've even heard of uh, negative. Yeah. Uh, you know, it rates. That's it, sort of an interesting. Right, phenomenon. and that hasn't really um, happened here yet. Yeah. Um, in Japan, that has happened. Yeah, that's where I heard um, about it. You know, in some of the emerging markets around the world, where you know interest rates are e- even in, in some of Europe, um, interest rates are so low they actually went below that zero mark, yeah. and you've got to pay someone. To hold on to your money, right? You know, right. And that's that's it's a interesting situation. I'm glad we're not there yet here, yeah. And I hope we don't get there. Um, I don't. I just I don't know. I, America is still as much as we want to look around and say like you know the sky is falling. I, I there's not a better place to be economically speaking than than America. And I, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. Um, it's good to see, you know, some other countries kind of coming along. Um, Others falling off, but at the same time, like America is not not going anywhere. There's a guy, Peter, uh, I think his name is Peter Zihan, is his name, and he has a book called The Accidental Superpower. Um, if you have a chance to read it, it's just it's awesome. I mean, it just talks about America was made to be a world superpower. Um, the fact that you know the Pilgrims came over here and decided to make a nation of it um, was just kind of good fortune on their part because this place is just it's meant to be a world power, and I think it's going to be that for a long time. So I wouldn't let, you know, what's going on in China, what's going on in Japan, what's going on in Europe, you know, the potential, what they call the Brexit with Britain leaving. I, I don't think we need to let those things worry us too much. Yes, they'll have an effect on us in some way. Um, but even if, uh, even if the whole world is, is headed the wrong direction, I think I'd rather sink on a cruise ship than a bass boat. Absolutely. <laughs> right. And, and speaking of which, you know, uh, America's doing really well, people should know, but Tennessee is actually doing really well. Yeah. And Chattanooga specifically right. is a really interesting, uh, is a really interesting case, I think, for a number of different reasons. What do you feel is the best part of working in Chattanooga? Now, I, th- I think the, the work environment in Chattanooga is great just because, you know, number one, it's, it's Chattanooga. The, the hospitality 
the uh, you know the networking ability in Chattanooga. Everybody knows everybody. It's the world's largest small town, uh, and I just I, I love the feel of Chattanooga. Number one. Uh, another thing I really like is, and maybe it's been like this for a long time. I haven't been here for a really long time, but one thing I've picked up on is just the the push uh, to towards small business. Like they they really like to fuel small business and, and and small business is what makes America great. You know, you there there might be, you know, the major firms that you see everywhere, you know, the Apples, the Microsofts, the, you know, the JP Morgans, but at the same time, um, the small businesses employ more people than all of those companies combined. They they really push the economy forward. And I think Chattanooga definitely is headed in the right direction um, on pretty much all fronts. Uh, and one of those, one of the things that's pushing that is, is those small businesses. You see the little coffee shops, you see the the restaurants, um, you see the tech firms, the, the the small startups that are just they're popping up everywhere. And uh, you know, obviously, not everybody's going to make it big, but if there is kind of a uh, a breeding ground, a good environment for that to take root, I think Chattanooga is definitely one of those places because not only is the business uh, environment here encouraging small business owners to, to you know, start businesses, but consumers prefer to buy from small local businesses. Um, I, I think that's something that's really cool about Chattanooga. Absolutely. Well, you know, Tennessee was an agricultural state for a long, long time. And, you know, the reason for that, fertile soil. Right. And I think we've got fertile soil for business for, yeah. you know, the foreseeable future anyway. Absolutely. So, well, Luke Harrison of uh, Hilliard Lions, thank you so much for joining yeah, us. Yeah. And I am your host, Victor Agreta. Stay tuned next time for another Business Radio X right here in Chattanooga. Thanks for listening.